Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we score the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from the Star Wars Universe podcast. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 60, which begins with Thor slowly coming to terms with this crushing realization and ends with a shot of the hammer unmoved. Joining us in the show today, sadly for the last time, but hopefully we'll have him back for uh, more podcasts later, we have Andrew Dorowski, host of the Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and Joe Dorowski, host of the Protagonist Podcast. Uh, it's been so great having you both. I'm curious, for, for people who have a lot of experience with this kind of minute-by-minute analysis, what's kind of your been your take on like seeing these five minutes through this lens? Even though I've got you know a good chunk of minute-by-minute uh, experience, I haven't had actually a lot of like fight sequences. And, and I don't think any like person to person fighting, I've had giant, giant robot mech suit, um, fighting people <laughs> with you guys in the past. That's right. Um, and so it was a little bit interesting to like get into the fight choreography and, and seeing like the editing pacing and, and all of those kinds of tricks. So that was kind of a new experience for me, um, which is, which is always fun. It's, it's nice to do different minutes and to just, have a different experience, um, you know, in every different movie and you take a little chunk of minutes and you're like, okay, I do have to admit something to you guys, even though I was the one that, that chose these minutes. My favorite minute of the movie is actually the next minute. <laughs> and I'm probably going to want to talk a little bit about it. Um, but because, because I didn't want to talk about the rest of that week as much as I would have like enjoyed talking about the fighting and, and, you know, grabbing the hammer, but some stuff in the next minute where you see Heimdall and, and some color stuff. And, and, you know, uh, I think a really good transition between like colored nebulas on the screen to, to colored neon lights on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like what happens in that, but ultimately this got the most of what I most wanted. I really wished that all the minutes were shifted like two <laughs> minutes forward from now, um, ideally. In the perfect world, yeah. The, the first time I came on the uh, Marvel Movie Minute with Iron Man, I think I really wanted to do minute like 57 through 63, 62 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope. Yeah, so I'm in that kind of situation. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting with the like the granularity that you get in doing these these minutes is those moments like we're talking about, like where it's like, wait, which way is Thor turning? Like you don't pause, like like when you're watching the whole scene, like you you really don't pause, like you get lost in that, and it does start to make clear like how much movie magic is uh, done through the editing to to just kind of like move you along with the story and and make you feel what you're supposed to be feeling, make you feel uh, exactly the right thing, and the the logistics of like can Thor actually go through the tunnels that way don't don't really matter uh you know that's not the key <laughs> yeah. of the storytelling unless you are looking at a movie one minute at a time then you start to like get really caught up in those those kinds of uh minutia <laughs> well i also really love movies by minutes because uh, even just listening to them but also sometimes like in the moment while you're watching them there's just discoveries that yeah. happen and that can be a really, really fun experience. I remember um, Joe and I were on uh, one of the seasons of Indiana Jones Minute just for one minute, and we saw something, and all of us were like, I've never, ever seen this before. Like, yeah. it wow. was in, in Last Crusade, and it's like, oh, the Grail Knight, like, walks out with Indiana Jones, basically. Like, he's he's there as soon as Indiana Jones is at the front of the of the cave. He's like, he's just standing there in the background. He's totally right there. Wow. And all of us were like, wait, yeah. he is? What the? <laughs> Wait, why is he? He totally is there. I, um, and so you have like these these discoveries, um, yeah, that come and and all the fun bits that come with noticing that there's 
tanks of chemicals for no apparent reason. <laughs> right. So true. Um, so true. Yeah. I mean, a running theme of this, uh, a lot of our episodes have been Andy and I watching a Loki minute and then not like going back and forth on what is Loki's motivation in this. And I feel like I have such a higher appreciation of Tom Hiddleston as an actor because we've done this kind of. He's he's amazing in this. It's kind of a shame that we don't get any of him in in this week. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it's his origin story as much as it is Thor's, uh, and we'll, we'll you know get into that. Um, and Hawkeye's, <laughs> yeah, well, and Hawkeye's, yeah, and Hawkeye's. Uh, we'll get into all of that right after this quick break. If you've heard of Patreon, then you know a lot of podcasters use it as a place where their fans can support them by becoming patrons. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that Patreon and Memberful are one and the same. We use Memberful, and what it actually does is it allows us to build our patron support platform right into our own website. So if you've been thinking of becoming a patron to our show, but you weren't sure about it because when you go to Patreon and you search for Marvel Movie Minute, you don't see us, just know that we are, in fact, using their platform. You can learn all about it at memberful.com. They really do make it very easy. And if you'd like to support us, visit truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute, and you can find out right there what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month, or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks. Friends, I, I hope you are properly appreciative that you are in the presence of a prophet, because yesterday... I started talking about a moment that hadn't happened yet of this great god eye scene of Heimdall and Odin looking down, and guess what? It starts this minute. Uh, clearly, I was jumping the gun a bit. It's hard to get minutes confused, but now that we're actually at this minute, what do you all think of this great moment we get of like Thor looking up to the heavens, and it, it to me, it's clear like he thinks he's looking right at Odin and Heimdall, and they're looking right back at him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really sad. Yeah, and it, it really does feel like like you're saying he is communicating with someone in this. Like, as he looks up, he's not looking into the void. He is staring at someone directly that he knows is watching them at this moment, and he's trying to express his anger and frustration. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth really reaches a nice guttural level to <laughs> to express all that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I love is that I, I couldn't put my finger on exactly what the scream is. It's not that he's screaming in anger at them. It's not that he's screaming. It, it's just, it's everything. It's mm-hmm. this whole, yeah. all of the emotional weight of what's happened ever since his father yelled at him that he's been holding back and not wanting to deal with just all comes out in that scream. It is intense. Yeah, it, it is just, it's intense, powerful, tragic, uh, I mean, painful. There's, there's a lot in it. And I mean, Hemsworth gives all it all like everything comes out mm-hmm. of him in that moment like it, just as as far as like a human being making that sound like how many takes can you do before you're like i, I literally can't my, my <laughs> yeah. voice cannot <laughs> they, they brought in a cart of like throat coat tea to help him get through this moment <laughs> yeah. you know i think it it is very effective and this is you know a testament to chris hemsworth like acting it pretty well um i think i think since everyone's discovered that he can do comedy they kind of want to do only comedy with him most of the time but i really like his his dramatic sequences oh yeah um like this or or his kind of dramatic monologue in infinity war um i really enjoy that stuff and this one is is great because like no really like the 
acting that he has to do is that he is incapable of expressing anything coherently, right? Yeah. You know, it's not just that he's angry. Like, he's not yelling at them like, hey, let me in, let me in. He's just like, I don't understand. I don't, like, I don't understand. And I'm frustrated and I'm sad and I'm... I am angry, but like anger isn't the main one, right? It's it's not a furious yell. It's a, I don't understand. And I can't even say why I can just yell yeah. vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like if it, if it was going to be a word, it'd be something about how he doesn't understand. Yeah. I mean, if you've had I young think. kids when they're trying to get you to understand something and like, you're just not comprehending <laughs> what it is and they just reach a meltdown stage. Like he yeah. just jumps yeah. straight to meltdown stage. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he doesn't, there's no understanding. I, 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 I don't think any understanding even starts until the very, very end of this minute mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when the Triketra, mm-hmm. that you know, part of Odin's spell appears for him on the side of Mjolnir. And I think that's the clue that he finally gets, you know, but I mean, it, it's, it, like, it's I, I am blocked. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and again, I don't think I would have ever caught this without the minute by minute, but way back in the first shots of Asgard or the first, when we see Thor in Asgard, we commented on that just a small little moment, but you clearly can see that his mother is very indulgent of him, you know? And it, like, we can talk about, like, spoiled children being terrible people or whatever, but, like, it's, children are spoiled because their parents are spoiling them. And I, I don't, it, to me, it doesn't excuse what, you know, a jerk Thor has, has been for many points of this movie, but so much of what I see is, like, he has had parents who've never given him consequences before. And then, mm-hmm. and so like on the one hand, you're like, yeah, he deserves some of these consequences, but also like, of course it's heartbreaking to him because no one ever said no to him before. And that's, that's a failure of parenting as much as it is a failure of, of him. He deserves these consequences, but he also deserves them. Whatever vague number of years ago it was that he was yeah. a child, hard to say <laughs> yeah. in Earth years what that would have been. <laughs> some, some thousand years ago. In his terrible 200s, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> You're you're definitely right. Like there's um in like in like psycho psychological theory about parenting and everything, they they talk about parenting styles and um there's all this work that's been done into into kind of quantifying like these quadrants based on how permissive a parent is mm. or how you know like being emotionally responsive to the point of being permissive versus being demanding, you know, potentially to the point of being authoritarian. And so you kind of have this this dynamic where there's okay, like, like are you emotionally responsive and receptive to them or are you instilling consequences and having demands for for behavioral expectations and achievement expectations and all that sort of stuff. And and so if you break it down into a quadrant, you know, there's these different parenting styles and you'll see articles that try to talk about like the pros and cons. It's like it's fairly clear like there's an effective one where you are emotionally responsive but also you know, instilling consequences for, for behavioral issues and, mm-hmm. and, you know, having certain demands. And then there's, you know, being permissive, which is, you know, high, high response and low demand. And then there's authoritarian, which is high consequence and low response, which is kind of what he's getting a taste of right now, right. where like, there's no communication about like, I want you to understand this lesson. Um, and so he's kind of feeling that authoritarian approach. And then the, there is a fourth quadrant where you're low on both. Um, but that's effectively not parenting. <laughs> you know, it's, it's completely disengaged where you are giving them neither emotional support nor consequences for behavioral issues. Yeah. It's funny. One of my favorite hobbies is coming up with podcast ideas that I will never have the time to execute. Um, <laughs> but at, 
for a long part of my life, I was a pastor, and I one of the things you learn, you know, is as, you do a lot of family counseling. So you're like all that kind of you know theories on that. I now want to like do a podcast analyzing all sorts of like superhero families through like family systems theory, you know, and talk about mm-hmm. like you know where did the parents go wrong that led to this thing with you know, uh, you know, let, let's talk about uh, Jack Murdoch and his parenting style of uh, y- young young uh, daredevil. I mean, that's a really interesting. Uh, thing to bring up, especially as as you start getting into later stories and dealing with Hela and wondering, okay, so did Odin's parenting style of Thor shift because he, you know, something switched in him as far as as what he was doing and how he was parenting Hela and all the decisions that they made together and in in tearing through everything, and then so I, I don't know, part of it makes me wonder like was odin's style uh, very much less hand off, hands off because mm-hmm. you know he was too involved in 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 doing all the stuff with hell at, at his side for so long and so frigga did end up doing largely the raising i mean we have a moment with odin and the boys so obviously he was doing some parenting at least the storytelling sort of things but it does make me wonder like did he back off because he felt like he pushed hella to where she ended up and I know I'm going way too far beyond our movie here. <laughs> well, yeah. You're also making me want to like bring in the time travel of Thor and his mother moment. But <laughs> we're really yeah. shooting way, way beyond. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, but also, I mean, tying it back to like the Shakespearean themes that we know were so important to Branagh, like part of what's happening there is the. You know, Odin has this double loyalty situation, and Loki's the only one who ever wanted to point it out, where on the one hand, Odin wants to be a good father to Thor, but Odin also has to be the one who is deciding if Thor is worthy of not just, like, the family business, but, like, ruling this whole realm and all these nine realms. And so, yeah, there's there's so much going on there. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we do get, you know, Heimdall doesn't respond, Odin doesn't respond, but we get this wonderful look from Jane, you know, and... Let's talk about the fact that, like, the way it's laid out, I have no idea how she's seeing any of this. But, like, before we get to that, what do you what do you see in her? Like, that 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 look on her face. What is she thinking in that moment? I I I think it works that she's just responding to the sound he's making. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like something's wrong. You know, she she's recognizing distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, you you can't find a sight line that would make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we haven't seen her since the opening minute, right? We haven't cut back to her at any, or did we? Mm-mm. Yeah. No, not since the phone call. She, there was a scripted moment that they didn't end up including. Uh, but yeah, she hasn't, she hasn't been back. I guess to me, the way they shoot her face, it looks like she's so intently staring at something that I think we're supposed to think she's watching, even if that doesn't make any sense logistically. Um, but you're right. Even if she's just hearing the scream, yeah. like she knows that he has failed, I think. I mean, I guess that's what you would do if you were there waiting for them to get in and get out. You would be kind of looking for any sign of them on their way back out. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess she's just kind of Mm -hmm. hoping that she'll see him at some point. And if you hear that scream instead, I think you can get the same emotional response. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. And then we get a shot of Coulson where, again, maybe this is because I'm reading too much into it because of what I know of Coulson. But I, I feel like he even is... He's having a real moment of sympathy for the pain this person's going through. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what you all see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I like to think that Thor is actually staring up at Coulson and just screaming at him. <laughs> just screaming right at Coulson. <laughs> right. And Coulson's just like, oh, this is, this is going to be a problem. That's right. <laughs> he is a drunk townie. Right. I was, I was really so, I was really hoping something would happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's why he said it's not a sympathetic setting. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Now I just have to do paperwork on this. What a drag. <laughs> Hawkeye, he, Hawkeye that doesn't look at all. He's just like, eh, I don't get to fire my arrow. I'm bored. <laughs> all right, put, put my arrow down. I think we have thoroughly determined, and I think we were talking about this off air, that all of the stuff with, with Hawkeye was shot after the fact when they decided uh, that they wanted to replace the sniper with him. Because all of the stuff of the sniper running to the bucket... It's all shot in a way where it's not necessarily visible who it is, and all the stuff of 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 Barton. It's all shot as if they could have totally done this uh, after the fact when they were likely in the early stages of shooting Avengers. Mm-hmm. I'd heard that rumor. Uh, I just had never taken the time that I checked the scene as closely as as we have in this woman. And anytime you see Renner's face, it could be just in any warehouse or parking lot. Yeah, yeah. With with rain and a spotlight, no, nothing has to be on uh on set at all yeah yeah and it's funny my, my primary fandom is star wars and we often talk about how like you know f- kind of feeling bad for the actor who's in the darth vader suit in the original movie was saying all the lines and had no idea that james earl jones his voice was gonna be dubbed over there are always jokes about you know what happened when he went to the theater and i kind of feel i wonder for this guy like was he like hey guys i'm in a marvel movie it's only for five seconds but i'm in it and then like wait a minute that's that Where's this Jeremy Renner guy come from? <laughs> what about my close-ups? Yeah, hope, I hope they gave him some uh, a little bit of that was me running. Uh, that was me running to the, the to the thing. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, because it was not Jeremy Renner getting into that bucket. <laughs> I'm the first actor to play Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I put that on a resume. That's yeah. right. Um, uh, and then we just again, there's just the the, sh- the way the shots are set up is so evocative. Thor goes to his knees, and just not a word is said. But it's so clear he is defeated. You know, he is broken. Mm-hmm. And there's just that great slow-mo shot of the rain dripping from his face. I'm like, even as I describe it, it sounds so cheesy, but it works so well. I really, I think the music really does a lot of the heavy lifting to make it not feel cheesy. Yeah. 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 And w- which, I mean, overscoring can absolutely increase the cheese. But they they, they definitely are, are finding the right uh, level of, um, you know, making it clear yeah. you're, you're being played to audience. Uh, this is what you're, you should be feeling, but it doesn't feel like you're you're going you know, overstepping uh, in, in terms of uh, the musical cues. And, and the slow-mo sometimes, like, it can be a little much. And, and you know, I mean, Brana was using it in a powerful way earlier in the mo- in these couple minutes, where when Thor sees Mjolnir, he's, like, striding toward it to grab it and grab the handle and to pull it. It's all, like, this powerful moment. It's it's It fits in context with Patrick Doyle's music. Everything just has this kind of powerful feel. And uh, But then we have a moment when he's screaming in the last minute, which is slow-mo. That one very much feels like a Peter Jackson, you know, Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings sort of thing, because that was straight out of all those movies. Uh, I don't like that one as much. But this moment when it's just it's that defeated Thor on his knees, like this moment of the slow motion, like that works exceptionally well, because I just feel that just like I felt the power in the previous ones. Now I really feel that defeat here. Yeah, I think the music 
like from the previous minute and into this minute does such a good job of switching gears three full times, right? It's the big triumphant Thor theme. And then it goes into this really like low base failure theme. And then it goes into still the, like the standard Thor theme, but it's like sad violins kind of version. And so it, Yeah. yeah, it goes, it goes, you know, triumphant and then dark and then sad. And, I think that's a really nice use and balance. Yeah. To me, the the emotional arc of Thor over the course of this movie is so interesting because I feel like this is the moment where there's a really synthesis of like the arc that he thought he was going on and the arc that we as an audience are going on. Because I, don't know, I think this is maybe not as true for people who already love the character, but I think for a lot of folks, like Thor is not an appealing I mean, he's a great looking guy, he's charming. But he's a bully and a jerk a lot in the first half of the movie. And, you know, it's funny. I think, like, for me, at least watching it, I've heard this from others. They want you to be rooting for him as he's going to to try and get the hammer back. To me, this is the first moment where I'm actually feeling very sympathetic for him. You know, this is the moment where I'm like, okay, like, not that I like seeing, it's not a shouting for it. I want to see him hurt. But, like you're having a humanity moment. You're having a moment of like connecting with what's happening. It's the wrong way to say it, but like just it, to me, I felt like pathos with him in a way I hadn't before for this movie. Yeah. I, I think this is one of those moments that is uh, going to be creating that bond with the audience more so than just saying, I, I like watching this character on screen, which I, I mean, Chris Hemsworth is oozing charisma uh, and could get by on. I like watching this character on screen uh, in how he's going to play Thor with the braggadocio and, and everything. Uh, but but after this, I think there is that greater investment of I, I I, I want to see the transformation actually take root and, and, and I care about what the next phase is. What's what's you know amazing? I mean, so here we are, an hour into the movie, and I, you know, I feel like we have had an hour of a very cocky, arrogant, and certainly charming. I mean, you know, he is very charming. The way that he speaks, it's very honest and straightforward, and he really pays attention. But he is cocky and arrogant, and I still am convinced that even if you know whatever what if said. That if Thor, uh, whether Loki was adopted or not, if Loki hadn't caused all of this to happen and Thor did get coronated, I think we still would have had party Thor on the throne. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he is a challenging character to be with for this long. But he again, it's the charisma that really gets you through. But this moment that we're in right here, this nadir of his whole story, I mean, it's just like it's going to go uphill and it's going to be just I, I don't know. I I I, I I love the way that it's taken its time to get us to this point with this particular character. I, I think that's so true. And I think to me, this moment is kind of helping to illustrate like what is, I think, the great irony of this movie, and especially of Loki's story, is that Loki sees the flaw in Thor that no one else sees. And Loki wants to point, does all this in part to point it out so that people will say Thor shouldn't be king, Loki should be king. And what winds up happening is Loki starts Thor on the journey that allows him to overcome his fatal flaw and, and become the worthy king. And it's just like, I mean, I want the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of this movie entirely from Loki's perspective because, like, you know, uh, it, it's so bitterly ironic for his character. But that's that's a whole other discussion. That so makes it so great. Yeah. Uh, and so then we get this last moment where 
uh, the triketa, which is like the, the three-piece knotwork triketra. that we know is a, a symbol of Odin uh, and, and is used often in, in, in Norse mythology and the like, both in the real world and in this world, uh, appears on the hammer. And, and Thor very clearly notices it. What, what's the significance of that happening? My sense is that he just recognizes it as something that symbolizes Odin did something to Mjolnir. I, I, there, as, as, uh, I, I can't remember one of you two pointed out earlier, it's, there's a block now that Odin has created with Mjolnir and he just, he can't access it now. And, um, I, that's the moment I think when the, that, that was the final piece that Thor needed was to see that appear so that now he knows, oh, there was a lot more to my banishment than I initially had realized. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, that signal that there's more uh, to this than me not having my powers or something. Like, you know, th- there's a reason. Uh, and it's going to be Odin-based Odin based reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like um, seeing that symbol lets him know that it's not a glitch, yeah. right? Like, this, yeah. is, this is something that's by design. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Well, we've had such a great discussion about this. Are there any other last points about this minute or just these five minutes in general that any, any of you want to bring up? I, I do just want to say I... I think Thor is kind of an odd duck in the MCU uh, as, as a film, uh, you know, th- this one uh, where it's uh, I don't think it's anyone's lowest tier or top tier <laughs> film for, for, <laughs> for a lot of people. It's just, it's just kind of there. It, it has a different unique flavor, which I, I, I think for a little while Marvel lost uh, letting every film have their own unique flavor and they're kind of refining it. It feels like um, of, yeah. of late. And I, I like this, Brana infused Shakespearean drama, you know that, that we get in here, and I, I think um, it feels weird to say that it was like a gamble to do Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you know, in retrospect, it feels very odd to say, but it, it was and, and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, but yeah, for, like your cast, you're you're anchoring with you know people who have not done the blockbuster film circuit at all uh, right. at, at this point and you're saying this is going to be one of our cornerstone franchises for the Avengers uh, <laughs> that, that we're going to carry this you know both those big su- such key figures for, for what's coming in the Avengers that if, if this had been miscast uh, or, or, or you know things had gone awry like the MCU wouldn't be the MCU uh, so it, even though it ha- does kind of have that that stat, you know, the statue that's a little, you know, in the middle, I think, is, is where a lot of people would put this Thor movie. It really is foundational uh, for, for so much of what, what comes forward. Oh, yeah. As a reminder, it does have Academy Award nominee Jeremy Renner in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, three different characters from this movie wind up having like their own properties. Thor gets a bunch of his own properties. Loki has his own TV show and is going to get more. And and Mm -hmm. not that I think this movie establishes Hawkeye on the path, but you know, like (laughs) he's getting his own show now too. So. Well, and even uh, yeah, uh, um, what what what, what's her name? That's in uh, WandaVision. All of a sudden, the character's name is escaping me. Oh yeah, Yeah, Uh, Darcy. Darcy. Yeah, I mean, Darcy is is, is like newly prominent in the in the MCU, and uh, you know, rumors abound of of uh you know potential future use of that character mm-hmm. stellan skarsgård gets you know he comes back a couple of times and yep. um and, and natalie portman's gonna be back so and agent sitwell too i mean agent sitwell figured into the whole hydra thing yeah and, and colson like like this has a pretty substantial footprint overall it yeah. really does yeah i mean it, it's really in many ways it's a real introduction to shield itself because until now shield has been the thing helping our characters here it really is much we talk about much more of an antagonist and and just in terms of also skarsgård um by the time this releases it'll be a couple months uh later but i just saw dune a couple of days ago and wow seeing him be the evil harkonnen like i was just like but 
but you're the nice doctor who take like after doing the minute by minute analysis, that was just so shocking to me. Of like, yeah, Scarsgard's got some range. That's that's not a bad actor. <laughs> well, it, it it reminds me when I was when I watched the whole movie um, with my wife. We were talking early on, and I was just like, oh, little baby Chris Hemsworth, you had no idea that ten years from now, you know, as they're making it, you know, ten years from now, this is where you're going to be. It's like, oh. Tom Hiddleston, you have no idea that 10 years from now, you're going to be, you know, the the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it was kind of weird. It was like, ah, Natalie Portman, you have no idea that 10 years from now, well, you haven't been in like a ton, a ton of movies, but like you're still a household name. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be remembered and, and be... for debating the romantic elements of sand anymore. So that alone <laughs> for you is, is a, is a plus. <laughs> but yeah, like, like just about everybody, it's like, oh, wow. Like everyone's got a, a big career coming out of this. You know, if they didn't have one going in, they kind of come out of it yeah. with a pretty substantial career. Yeah, oh, that's totally. true. Well, Andrew and Joe, it's been such a great thing having you both on this podcast. Um, for people who want to find more about you, uh, I've asked you a lot about like podcasts, academic careers, all the rest. What's one last thing about yourself that you'd want fans to know or uh, a way to find, you know, your uh, a karaoke video you've got online somewhere <laughs> or a great performance you did on a trivia podcast? What, what's one more thing you want fans to know about? I really don't have anything else. I mean, if you, I wonder if, if like, I should try this sometime. If you search my name, like I have guested on dozens of podcast episodes at this point in various things, a lot of movies by minutes, but a lot of other podcasts. So, I mean, just type my name into, into your podcast search system <laughs> and see what comes up, I guess. Awesome. And Joe, what about for yourself? Um, just outside of my superhero research, I also have done some projects on TV shows. So I've got a book that I co-authored on uh, Frasier and another one on Cheers that are are floating out there. So if sitcoms are more your your style, then I, I've done a little work in that area, too. Nice. Nice. Well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you both so much. Uh, I, I really hope you're going to be back for later uh, Marvel Movie Minutes. I'm probably going to try to twist both your arms to get you on the superhero ethics podcast and on my own selfish needs. Uh, but most importantly, just it's been so great having you on here. Thank you so much. Andy, thank you so much as always for making this all possible. And to our fans, you make this uh, what it is. So thank you so much and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. 